Hey guys, and welcome back to another series of the boring shit you need to know in business. I'm Amy Bajada, and I'm excited because this series, there's going to be more topics, more conversation, and some amazing business owners to share this time with. So let's jump in. Today is an early start for me as I'm joined by Lauren Renali, an award-winning children's book author and marketing coach for aspiring and self-published authors. Lauren joins me all the way from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. Let's jump right in, Lauren, as your bio intrigues me. An award-winning author of children's books, such as Places We Have Never Been and Let's Meet on the Moon, and you have a new book joining your repertoire this year, Snow Day at the Zoo, Yes. As well as being a marketing coach for other authors, which came first? Were you a marketing coach who wrote children's books or an author who became a marketing coach? So actually even more removed from that, I am a public health professional and that is what I do in my everyday work and job. Um, And now my role is in marketing and communications for um, a national health equity organization. But the children's books came first. They came when, um, gosh, my son is almost nine now, or I'm sorry, he is nine. And so it was about nine years ago that I was working full time and he was born and I decided to write a story for him. um, And that story was related to um, our family's experience celebrating um, Hanukkah because we celebrate both Christmas and Hanukkah in our family. And I just decided to write a book for him. And I emailed it to myself when he was a baby and said, oh, I'll just read this to him later when he can understand it. And then it was probably five or six years after that, that I decided I actually want to make this a real book that you can have and hold and read with your family. But I had sat on that email for those five or six years, partially because I was a busy mom and partially because I didn't know how you turn a story into a book, right? <laughs> I didn't know how to like make that process happen. Yeah. Um, and so I, I researched the world of self-publishing and I spent a, you know, a lot of time and energy on that. And I found a great illustrator and to make a, a long story short that we can go into later, you know, we, we made a book, we made it happen and it did really well. And so we kept making them. We made two more together. I've been working with um, an illustrator named Emily Sywick, who's also local here in Michigan. And then is when the sort of coaching came into play because I did have a background in like in my professional career, I was doing a lot of communications. I was starting to do more marketing. I was starting to do more outreach. And so the strategies that I had put together for my own books, I was getting a lot of questions from other authors and other people who said, I'm thinking about writing a book. How did you do this? And, you know, I've been trying to find a publisher for two years. And I said, well, you don't actually need to find a publisher. You are the publisher. You can do this yourself. And and so it really just, um, it, it sort of went from a couple of people emailing me and me, you know, sending them some ideas to starting to do some, some coaching and some trainings and some courses. And now it's a really thriving part of my author business is coaching other people through this process and helping them get their books from sort of a story sitting in their email to a book that you can read with your family. That's fantastic. And I want to ask these other people that were asking you, did they start off to be friends and family? Like often I find that when we start out in business, that's the first 
audience we tap into essentially yeah because they're the ones that are closest to us they can see what's unfolding in our world so were that were they colleagues were they friends family you know they weren't friends and family friends and family were certainly the first round of people to buy my book of right course. that was the first group <laughs> although I will say I think some friends and family referred some some people to me they said oh you've been wanting to write a book you should connect with my coworker, Lauren, my friend, Lauren, my niece, Lauren, you know, whoever it is. And so I think they've played a little bit of a role that, but really it was people finding me online, finding me on Instagram, primarily sending me messages. And that's, you know, where people started seeing me, where they said, you know, I really like what you're doing. I like the way your stuff looks. And I have no idea how to do that or how to make my stuff look professional or, or what steps I should take or, what steps I shouldn't take. And so I, I have spent a lot of time sort of culling these resources and putting things together for others to say, here, I've, I've done a lot of this research. I've spent a lot of this time and energy. I know how limited your time and energy is. Let's focus your energy on connecting with your specific readers and making your book the best it could be. And you don't have to spend the time researching, you know, the various printing options or how to get your copyright or how to get an ISBN barcode for your book. All of that is the same answer for any author, right? Right. Those things are the same. Those are universal for the most part. What's unique to you is your audience and your messaging. And so put your energy there and I can give you not only strategies for that, but I can give you all the other stuff that just has to happen to make a book and to put it out in the world. The foundational stuff. The foundational stuff, the boring yeah, stuff, as you talk about. <laughs> yeah. And we, we love a person that we can go directly to that's already forged that path so that we can just pick yes. up those pieces. And it's really great when when people give up that knowledge. I, you know, some days I feel like 103 and sometimes I actually have. No, <laughs> but at, at 45, you know, when I first started out in my career as an accountant, know, going into business in any shape or form, you were always taught to keep your cards very close to your chest. Anything that you'd learned, that's what you were going to keep to yourself so you could charge it out, you know, and just not give up that information. But I'm finding that we we live in such a a vast informational age and it's just, it's getting more and more prevalent. And if you're not giving up that information, someone else is. So it's great that you've got the right people looking in your direction and that you have that information to be able to either charge because let's get real, it's a service and it's, it's something that we can provide, but we can also give up so much more information that they're just going to find anyway. So we might as well be the the person that they go to with that. The source. I completely agree. And I have found that that the children's book community in general is a very giving community. They are really willing to share things that worked well for them and didn't. I do think that they're where people keep their cards a little bit close to their chest is maybe around when someone says, well, who's your agent? And then I feel like people are like, well, I don't know. I, you know, I'm going to keep that one to myself. Um, but I also, I'm like, you don't need a publisher or an agent. Yeah. You can do all of these things yourself. And I agree. I would, you know, I, I remember listening to a podcast interview and gosh, I can't remember who it, who it was at the moment, but this, this host said, you know, our job is to be relentlessly helpful. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a good takeaway. It's like, if I can be relentlessly helpful to people, if I can just give what I can, when I can, then they're going to get a lot of great information. And then when they do need a coach, when they do need, you know, some more customized, tailored one-on-one consultation, 
they'll think of me and they'll know me already. They'll know my style. They'll know whether or not the information I provide is helpful or if it leads them down a terrible path, which I've never had anyone tell me, but you know, so they, you know, people, when they usually, it's very rare for me to get sort of like a, a coaching client out of the blue, right. Where someone just says, Hey, I Googled, you know, self-published author coach. And now I want to hire you. It's more often that they've been reading my weekly newsletter and they've been following me on, on Instagram and on social media and they get a sense for who I am and if I'm a good fit for them. And that's what you want out of a coach, right? Yeah. And so to have people become familiar with you and they're not going to be familiar with you and, and find you interesting or helpful if all you post about or write about is my book's on sale, my book's on sale. Here's where you can find it. Or these right, ones exactly. what it costs and here's another ad. And you're right. You right. Know, I I also have a I've got a double degree in marketing, but mm-hmm. when I did my marketing, you know, it was again, you know, it was 20 odd years ago, which is yeah. so very different. But the foundational concepts that do stay the same is that no like and trust, which is exactly what you're talking about right now is that you have to give up information and continue to be that voice of information to educate, to provide support so that people find that there's that trust. You're not going to just book somebody, you know, for the sake of booking it. You, You know, if you've never worked with them or if you've never had some sort of referral process, there has to be something that you're attached to in whatever it is that they're getting. It's so true. I think the no like, and trust is, is so important. And I think a lot of people skip that. And mm. I know I, you know, I sign up for a lot of people's newsletters <laughs> and I read a portion of them. Um, but there are some that I get that I'm like, wow, I'm just being sold to. I am just being sold to every single day. And it's not interesting to me if it's, you know, and I'll, I'll join, I'll get on some of these, you know, free webinars that people do where, you know, a sale is coming at the end, right? Like yeah. you, or at oh, least I do, you know, 100%. like, I'm like, I, I know they're going to try to sell me something, but before they do, I want them to give me some real content and strategy. And I am always more likely to purchase something at the end. If I have a really good sense about the kind of content I'm going to get. And I have been on a number of these free webinars recently where somebody tells you their backstory, they tell you how successful they are, and then they sell to you. And it's like, that's not what you, that's not the experience you and I were supposed to have together today. Like you're supposed to create something for me and help me achieve some sort of goal or task or whatever it is. And then I get a really good sense of what else you might offer. I'm like dying for more. And I think so many people skip that. I'm so glad you said that because I, I've been feeling the same way and I keep thinking, am I missing the context in which that relationship supposed or that moment was supposed to happen? Oh, I thought it was just me. I'm thinking no, I, I signed up for this a for a reason. More. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not just a reason, but like you sort of told me that we're going to go through something together and I'm going to yeah. come away with a, you know, a tangible thing and it hasn't been happening. And yeah. I, you know, whenever I do my webinars, which lead to a sale, mm-hmm. but there are, there's specific content pieces that I want people to have. And I want them to have a, you know, a, a workbook that goes with it and certain things. And I always love to throw in, even for when I'm not doing a webinar, but it just, you know, my, my trainings that are available on my site to purchase, you know, they come with, you know, they come with the video, they come with the the workbook and they always come with just like a little something fun extra. You know, I have one that's out right now that comes with, it's called my get in the zone guide. And it's like, music playlists, it's, um, brain boosting snack activities, it's breathing exercises, all to help you like get in the, the zone of like 
creating um, social media content because it's supposed to be fun. It's not yeah. supposed to be so stressful and painful. So I always like to, you know, you as a marketing person, you know, that principle of like surprise and delight and give yeah. them a little bit more than they were expecting. And I feel like in a lot of these instances I've had recently, I'm like, wow, I got less than I was expecting. And that's yeah. not the way to win people over. No, I, to- I totally mm-hmm. agree. And especially when you're asking them that, to then commit to something that you yes. haven't even given or contextualized to, as to how that's going to, you know, how it's going to work for you based on what it is that they're going to deliver because you haven't yes. seen them deliver anything at this point in time. And the long-winded introductions, I know you have to do an introduction at the beginning, but the long-winded introductions that just don't seem to end in some instances. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of pointless in a way, but it, it's great to see. And I agree with you, that little bit extra that people get, thrown in at the end I, I I love that playlists get in the zone it's relative yeah. it's it's exactly what they need as well to get to where they need to get to and, and you're you're giving them all of those foundational aspects of your yourself as well and I love that that's great yeah thanks so I feel right in this day and age that online is like a game of Tetris right we're trying to work <laughs> out which pieces fit best where? Now, with online marketing being your specialty, how can we best do this as business owners that have the greatest impact? I think one of the things is that you just, you have to accept that you can't be everywhere. Yeah. You don't need to be everywhere and you shouldn't be everywhere. And for some people, it's you just have to find the things that you enjoy and the platforms you enjoy so that otherwise it just starts to feel so tedious. Right. And I have, I have friends and colleagues who are like, I hate Instagram and I personally love Instagram. I find it to be the most fun platform, but I, there are people like, I hate it. I'm stressed out. I don't know what to post. I don't know what to do. I'm like, stop doing Instagram. Like you love writing newsletters. You love doing blogging, like try, you know, find ways to get more people there and visibility there, but like, stop doing the things you hate because it's just a drain on you. And yes, we need to, we need to have some online presence. I think it's hard as a business owner, not to right now, but, but also like, no, really knowing your audience, like as you know, it's for me, if I'm thinking about people to purchase my children's books, like LinkedIn is not really the place for me to be. Like no no one is sort of on LinkedIn looking for the next children's book to buy in my public health world. And in my research world, a hundred percent, like LinkedIn is my jam and it's where I want to connect with people. And same thing with Twitter, you know, that's where people are sort of looking for news and research and whatnot. But for a children's book market, you know, Instagram is a, is a great place to be and it's a fun place to be. And it's, you know, it's kind of a creative space. And so I think the, so the sort of primary thing I would say to people is just pick a couple of platforms and, I'm going to say commit to them, but I would say commit to testing them, right? Test it out and see if this is a good fit for you and go with what feels good. Because I think that, that otherwise you'll, you'll be spread way too thin and you won't be giving any of those audiences sort of the attention that you want and that, you know, they kind of deserve. And it becomes a full-time job. Like I remember someone saying to me recently, Oh, and you must get on, what was it, TikTok or mm-hmm. one of those. And I'm just like, I don't have time for TikTok. No. <laughs> I'm, you know, besides the fact of the platforms that I've found that are helpful, like Instagram and Facebook, certainly for my business and LinkedIn even more so. But, you know, to learn a new platform, to go onto a new platform, I just kind of think, 
I actually need time to do my actual work that I love, that I want to be in, that I want to commit to. And so adding new platforms, learning new techniques. Yes. Whilst we can get additional people to help us out with our social media, I still find that the content still needs to be authentic. And which is what I wanted to talk a bit about today as well is that, you know, I had a business meeting with some colleagues yesterday and we were talking about that real authenticity because because social media feels so forced in some instances and it's great yeah he say find the fun find the ones that work for your platform where your audience is it's going to make it a little bit easier but yeah I I'm not great at videos for example but I know I have to do them like it's just not my thing which is why I, I'm doing a podcast because mm-hmm. I'm happy to talk but I get a bit shy and stuff like that on on video, but I know I've got to do it. And I know when I talk about that know, like, and trust component, people want to see me. People want to see who I am, um, understand my life, relate to me in some way. So how can I do that most authentically when, you know, I'm shy on the camera or it just doesn't, I don't feel authentic. Like I was, yeah. I was laughing with someone the other day saying that every time I turn my camera on, I feel like I get an English accent. Like <laughs> it's almost like I have to be completely different. So tell me a little bit about that, how I can move that or anyone else can, can do that. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of things, you know, actually I was listening on my morning walk today. I was listening to an interview with, um, gosh, I hope I do not butcher her name. Lovey Ajayi, I think is how you say her last name. She's, she's the bestselling author of, um, professional troublemaker. And I was listening to an interview with her and she was talking about content creation and promotion. And, you know, one of the things she said was post, like when she first started her blog, um, back when she was in college, she said, I wrote like nobody was reading. I wrote this, like nobody was actually reading this. It was just what I wanted to put out. And I think that so many of us get so hung up on what the algorithm is going to do with that post and how do I make it engaging and how do I do this? And I have to make it likable and shareable and clickable and savable and all Mm -hmm. these things. And yes, you want, you want some of that, but at the same time, like you just want to put out content that is relatable and that connects with people. And I do believe, as you were saying, like, we don't, there's a mis- misperception, I think, that everyone on social media or on whatever online platform has to be this like outward bubbly personality, right? <laughs> and that's not who so many of us are. And I was working I, with one of my- I'm in the finance space. We can only be right. so bubbly, right? <laughs> right. There's only so much cheer. Yeah. Um, but, but I was working with one of my coaching clients once and she said, you know, I, she's like, I am- you know, people will comment on my Instagram post and I'm not the person to say, thank you so much, exclamation point, exclamation point, heart emoji. And she's like, it's, she's like, I am not cheerful. Mm. And I said, well, no, you're not cheerful, but you're very soulful. And so if you responded to somebody's comment and said, thank you so much, that really means a lot to me. That is a very authentic way to respond Mm. to someone that is true to who you are. And like, it just comes across way, way better and still conveys the same thing, right? It's still a way of saying thank you. And so one of the things I do sort of in, in the social media training that I offer is around sort of like finding your authentic voice and thinking about like some of those things, you know, it's, you know, for some people, it's really about like, how, how do you, if you're having a frustrating day how do you express that? You know, how are you sort of saying that? Are you someone who swears in your social media? Some people are, some people aren't like, don't do something that doesn't feel true 
to who you are. And also for the people who don't like being on camera, you don't always have to be on camera. You know, I show people examples of like, this is a way of me showing my personality in a photo that is not actually a photo of me, or it's a photo of me, like over my shoulder. It's a photo of me. What, you know, like you can compose, you know, certain things to be able to put out there that really give people insight into who you are. That is not a face on or a selfie photo. You know, there are ways to do that where you don't have to feel, um, quite so exposed if that's the reaction you're having to the idea of doing it. Yeah. Which is why, like I said, which is why I went down the path of doing podcasts because I, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable in this space. It, it makes sense to me and I can still connect in a way and share like no yeah. trust kind of thing. Um, because I think that's really, really important. I didn't want that message to be lost yeah. on me trying to fumble through something that felt so inauthentic and it, yeah. you know, it just didn't feel right and forced. So, and I think for you, you know, because your, your voice is so much a part of your work that, you know, in your social media, you know, you could create still or like animated images that have a voiceover. So people can start to hear you, you know, you can do that in your, in your email newsletter where you use a snippet from a recent episode or whatever it is, because that again, like that's, like what people are coming to you for, yeah. you know, people, I think very rarely do people go to a podcast to only read the show notes, right? Like they want to hear you. They want to hear the interaction. So giving them those teasers is really helpful, whether they see your face or not. You know, I can see you right now, but yeah. I know when people um, listen to this, they're not seeing either one of us. And that's, no, that's right. That's why we can just do it at five o'clock in the morning and not. I was, I'm, this is why I'm in my pajamas right now, you know? <laughs> well, while we're talking about that, how, you know, I've noticed a lot recently that there's blurred lines between personal versus business. So, you yeah. know, not that I'm happy, not that I want to hide away my personal life, but I just don't know how much is too much. And mm-hmm. you know, I often wonder sometimes when I am looking at certain Instagram accounts, when I am looking for that, educational component or even just that business side of things not that you want to see that all the time but if if I'm going there for a specific purpose and I see a lot of personal content which is great like it's it's relevant I'm not saying it's not but how much is too much like where yeah where do you draw the line like I've seen dirty hampers in the background mm-hmm. underwear on the floor you know little yeah. things that are just going oh People are sharing lots about their arguments with their partners and little things like that. So it's not that I, I'm saying I don't have that in my world because social media has gotten us to a point where we think everybody lives this amazingly perfect yeah. life. And I'm, that's not what I'm in search of. But when I'm searching for business style posts or content, and there's a lot of personal stuff in there, what do you, how much is too much? Well, I think, I mean, the very unsatisfactory answer is I think it depends, right? And yeah. and I think for me, I think personal is great if it feels relevant. You mm. know, there's a lot of personal aspects to business, obviously. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that. And like you waking up at 5.30 in the morning to do this, like that's a personal choice that you made to kind of commit to this. So, um, but I think that for me, I like to share things that are personal when they feel relevant and, and as just sort of a, not, you know, black and white rule. I also think that 
you know, when you're thinking about your platforms, like let's, again, Instagram is my favorite. So I'm going to use that as an example. I think Instagram stories is a really good place to put that stuff, right? Like it's, it's meant to be more casual. It disappears. It's not always there because somebody once told me that your Instagram page should be like the magazine for your business. And so you want to keep it sort of curated. You want it had to have a certain look and feel like I, I do a lot of training with people on branding mm-hmm. and what, you know, that sort of, um, content can look like and how it's displayed. And, and I think, and I do say to people, you know, when I, when someone asks me, you know, can you take a look at my social media and, and tell me what you think? Um, a lot of times I have to say to people, you know, I can't tell if this is your personal account or your business account, and I should be able to tell. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you don't show your personality or aspects of your life or pictures of your family, even, um, or your dirty laundry, right? If it feels <laughs> relevant, like, you know, for me, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm in between laundry and running to the post office to ship out my books. And, you know, that that's Which a thing that could feel relevant. related. Yeah. yeah. But if it's just sort of, you know, empty fridge, don't know what to eat today kind of stuff. And it's, I, I think you're right. Like people are coming to you for a specific reason. So give them more of that reason and to keep them coming back. Yeah. And look, whilst you're on the whole story versus, you know, post, I, mm-hmm. you know, I've done so much work with people around, you know, people or people telling me actually about the aesthetics of say Instagram and yeah. what that's supposed to look like. I struggle. You've probably seen my Instagram. I struggle because I'm the sort of person that because it's so I'm putting this out, I haven't, yeah. I haven't given any forethought to you know, it's Wednesday, out comes my podcast, you know, so I put that in my posts, but I haven't really thought about, you know, that went up at five o'clock and this one went up at six o'clock, my thoughts for the day or whatever it might be. So yeah, is it still relevant for everyone in terms of the look or the aesthetics of your Instagram posts? I mean, I think it is in a sense that like, so actually as we're talking, I'm pulling up your Instagram. So I want to oh, see it like me. in real time. No, but I like, so first of all, I do like, I like that it, it has a very consistent look and feel to me. You know, you have, I like, it does look like a brand. Mm. You, you know what I would tell you that I want to see more of just right here, yeah. looking at it. I want to see a little bit more behind the scenes. I want to see yeah. some of that, you know, like I see these great pictures of you and what the episodes are. I like your thoughts for the day. You know, I like all the stuff you have, but like, I want to know a little bit more about what goes into an interview and what goes into the process and how do you pick your guests and like, what kind of, you know, from your perspective, what makes for a great interview. And I think that adding that information gives mm-hmm. people a reason, another reason to come and look at your stuff other than to see if you have a new episode out. And I think also gives some of that a little little bit more um intrigue yeah and that's great advice thank you so mm-hmm. much for that I do appreciate that but what about like I mentioned TikTok before what about TikTok yeah. for you how does that I haven't started using that? it I'm sort of the same with you where I'm like okay I'm 42 and I like it's like hard to get into a new platform <laughs> but honestly you know when you mentioned TikTok before one of the things that I thought about is there are so many platforms, so many things are changing. You know, people are like, are you going to do Clubhouse? Are you going to do this? And, are, and I'm like, you know, I've sort of, not that I'm like going to stick in the mud and just, you know, digging in my heels and saying, no, I've committed already to this or that or the other thing. But I will say the one thing that I have found, and I know others have found that has not changed over time is email. And mm-hmm. I really do think that people don't necessarily put enough attention into having an email relationship with people and having a newsletter. And it's one of the things I talk to my 
author clients about a lot is, you know, let's, let's figure out a way for you to get a newsletter, to get in, to get an email list going. And here are, you know, here are six things that you should email your list about every year. And so even if you're sending an email every other month, if it's just those six things, it's a real, it's another way to have a relationship. I personally believe that you should be emailing more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I do a weekly newsletter and blog right now, but a lot of people that's not, it doesn't make sense for them and it doesn't fit for them, but you know, Instagram could ban my account tomorrow. Facebook could ban my account tomorrow. You know, TikTok could just like go into the ether and nobody ever hears from it again. But it seems very unlikely that email is disappearing. And not just that, like your email, you you own your contacts, right? Like nobody is going to come in and take your contacts away from you. If Instagram shuts down my account, I have no way to get in touch with my, you know, however many thousands of followers or whatever. I, I have no way to contact them but I do have my email list. And so I think curating that. And so one of the things that I try to do with my social media, and one of the reasons I think social media is really important is I try to get people from social media over to my newsletter, and then I can have more of a relationship with them. Can you give us three tips on how best to do that, to get people from your social media onto your email lists? So I think there's a couple of things, you know, one, you can, you can let people know that you have, you know, an offer that's only going out to your newsletter, right? So to say, here's the link and sign up, you can always have that as a link in your profile, right? So it makes it really easy. So like letting people, letting people know how to get on your newsletter, uh, making that very simple, having an email, like opt-in and pop up on your actual website so that when they get to your website, no matter how they got there, whether it's from social media, like using social media to always drive to your website, not just your newsletter sign up, but your website. And then a pop-up that's like, want more content from me or whatever it is, or want a free download of this thing. And then having people sign up from there. And the other thing I like to do, I like to use um, Instagram stories and I like to, you know, do polls or questions on there. So if I do a poll and says, Hey, I, what's a good example. Hey, I've got a new quiz mm-hmm. for authors about marketing styles. Like you, do you like a quiz? And anyone who says yes, I'm like, cool, here's the link. And it takes them to my website and, you know, they download it, you know, by signing up for the email or to say, you know, um, does anyone struggle with knowing what to post on social media? And anybody who says yes, say I do too. Here's a blog post I did on this and it takes them to your website, you know? So just getting people over there. And again, it's not, sleazy, right? Like you're giving them content. You're not just, you're not suddenly like getting them there and like stealing their information. They have to provide it to you because they want the thing you're offering. And they've still you know, got they, control to, they still out. have control. Want to. Of course, exactly. And then you make, and the other thing is make it easy for people to opt out when it's hard. to. I mean, I have been trying to opt out of this one newsletter for the past week and a half and it's driving me yes. nuts and I'm about to report it as spam. Cause I'm like, I, <laughs> you, I go here every day to opt out. Um, so make it easy for people to opt out and don't take it personally. And yeah. so, yeah, I think those are a couple of things. It's just, reconsidering how much time and attention you put into an email relationship, I think is really important. I think something, I think people get really fixated on social media, but to me, social media is a, is a means for people to know, like, and trust me and to move them over to my email list. That's really helpful advice. Can I ask you, you know, I, I did have a conversation with some colleagues about the whole, you know, I've noticed a lot lately where people go into my messenger and start mm-hmm. sending email-like information into my messenger or into, you know, DMing. Mm-hmm. Is that 
a thing now? Like I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought email was the way you would handle yeah. part of it, but people seem to be doing a lot of promoting and, you know, feeding information and probably more promoting than feeding information. So yeah. I agree with you on the email thing. It's more about providing information, but yeah, that whole promoting thing, you know, text. And- I, I know I agree. And I don't like it. I get a lot of those too, where it's like, Hey, here's my, you know, upcoming thing or my new class or my new whatever. And I'm kind of like, okay, thanks. I didn't really ask for that. And so when, whenever I'm communicating with someone in like a message, you know, or direct message or something, if they're telling me about a, um, a challenge they're having, or I will ask them, I will say, Hey, I have a free social media training for authors. Do you want me to send you the link? And I, I honestly don't think I've ever had somebody say no. Um, you know, they're like, sure, that'd be great. And then I just send them a link and then they can sign up for my free training. And then they're on my email list, which they know it's not a surprise. They know they're going to be put on my email list as part of this free training. You will also get weekly resources from me. That's an incentive, but I think it's much, there's just, it's a slight difference than me saying, yeah, I know social media marketing can be hard. Here's a free training. It's very different. You know, it's subtle, but to say, here's a free training versus, would you like me to send this to you? And then they're like actively affirming that, yeah, I would be interested in that. And so I think, I think just like thinking about how you like to be, how you like to receive information, how you like to be sold to is important when thinking about like how you communicate with others. And it keeps it authentic. We go back to that whole (laughs) right round full circle being authentic. So just my last question to you is while we're on email marketing, how much is too much? Because Mm -hmm. I I, seriously, there was this one uh, email that I'd signed up to or this one newsletter I'd signed up to. And I was receiving, there was one day where I received six emails one day from the one person. And it was crazy. Like, yeah, I couldn't believe how many I was actually getting. Yeah. I mean, again, it, you know, people are going to have different feelings and responses to this. When of you course. said that, I like you, I mean, you can see my face, your <laughs> listeners can't see my face, but I'm like, Ooh, no, I mean, so I send a weekly email and every once in a while, if I have sort of a bonus that's ending or something, I'll send a second one that week as a like, you know, pop in. And I tell people I'm popping back in your inbox on a Friday, just to remind you, like I I'm letting them know that this isn't my normal cadence, right? I don't normally contact you twice a week. I think, and I know I get some emails that are twice a week and I think that's fine. Me personally, that's as much as I want to see it, unless it's really short and sweet. You know, Seth um, Godin, who has marketing emails, he does a daily email that's like a paragraph long. That's it. And and I read probably 30% of them. But when I do, I know it's just going to be a paragraph. I know it's just like a little snippet of wisdom. And today I'm like, oh, I want to hear from Seth today. Tomorrow, maybe not, you know? So I think it, again, it kind of depends, but I think it, good place to start is, I mean, you could start monthly, right? You could send, you know, a monthly first, first week of the month and also being consistent. I, there are certain people I know when their emails come out and I look forward to them. I'm like, Oh, it's Thursday morning. I'm going to hear from Amy. You know, it's, it's Monday. Julie's going to send me her email with some, you know, mindfulness tips. And so I think that's nice to be consistent, but I would say, you know, if you don't, as you're building this and you don't feel like you have enough content, you know, starting monthly, and then I personally, I would say not more than twice a week, but it, it sort of depends on, I guess, on your business and your audience and really how much you're, you're putting into it. Of course. I like that. I definitely like that. And especially if you are sending out a newsletter style, you know, you've got that opportunity to capture as much as you can 
there's really only if there's promotional or something extra yes that is the need to to get back in there mm-hmm. And I would say too, to like repurpose that content as well. Like any piece of content you put out, you should have at least two or three ways to use it. And so if I do a newsletter, I typically link it to a blog. And then that blog can be a, a social media post. It can be a pin on Pinterest. It can you know be, be somewhere else. It could be a story. And so just make sure that like, you're not driving yourself crazy by creating different content for every single thing you do. You can repurpose, you should repurpose your, your content and your information. And I think people worry like, but then they're going to see it for me in multiple places. And like, that's a really good thing you mm-hmm. want. How often do you see something and you mean to go back to it and you don't, but if you got it in your email and you saw it on social media, like maybe it generates a little bit more. But the same um, people aren't going to see exactly the same they're thing not. all the time. And if they do, no. well, it's going to be repurposed in a different way. I would imagine. And I, I noticed exactly. this the other day I went to write something and I'm thinking, I've written this before. Like it was, was, (laughs) why am I recreating something that I know I have somewhere? So, you know, I totally agree with you. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Wealth of knowledge. You've set me up for my day now because I've got a lot of work (laughs) ahead of me right now because you've got so many ideas. But I really do appreciate you stopping by, taking a moment out of your day to, to chat about this. It was really great to hear and that important messaging around you know, being authentic and making it fun and making sure you're, you're in the space that seems relevant, whether it be from a fun perspective or just from your, you know, who you need to reach. Because at the end of the day, we don't want it to be bogging us down. We want to be using this in the most positive way for our businesses. So I, I really do appreciate you transferring that information and that knowledge to us. I will put up details of where people can find you and contact information for you. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Amy. Yes. I had a lot of fun chatting with you. I appreciate you getting up so early. Oh, look, happy to. I'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I know I'll definitely be in touch. I will be a client of yours for sure. Got to get onto that. So I'm excited to, to connect with you more. Fabulous. Thanks again. And that's it guys for another episode of the boring shit you need to know about business. I'm Amy Bajada and I'll see you next time.